Welcome to the Modern Rustic. I'm Russell. I'm Zach. We are a community-based podcast from the heart of the Fraser Valley, where we have classic conversations about our current culture and the impact we have on it. Here we go. We're, we're rolling. Um, first of all, welcome to the show. You said this was your first kind of podcast yeah. experience, um, and we're grateful that we could be your first time. Um, and we want to thank you for joining us. Yeah, this is this is going to be great. Uh, why don't you just kind of introduce yourself and tell us what you do for Hope for Cora, and let's just get into it. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Look forward to this. And uh, yeah, I've been with uh, Hope for Cora since uh, the very beginning. I went to Ethiopia in 2010, and that's kind of where the whole thing started. And it's just kind of developed over the years. And now I'm the executive director for Hope for Cora here at Abbotsford. Wow. And uh, yeah, this is our 12th year. So it was 13 years ago when I went, and this is our 12th official year. Wow. So, um, okay, so you, so Hope for Cora is a, it's a nonprofit. It's, mm-hmm. it's, again, what's, what, the, the nuts and bolts, what do you do over there? Well, we uh, work uh, near the garbage dump area in Addis Ababa, so that's the capital city of Ethiopia, and so it's a, a quite a large slum. There's probably around 140,000 people in the slum area of the city, and the city has, I think the latest census, around 5 million people, and so that's where oh, all wow. the garbage goes, and so... Uh, like, it's a mountain, 37 hectares, like, it's a huge, it's not like our garbage here. <laughs> and, yeah. And so the families that live in that area are, are very destitute. And so we have a program uh, that is really focused. Um, well, first of all, our vision for Hope for Cora, our, our mission is to break the cycle of extreme poverty and to uh, come alongside and bring hope and a better future to the, you know, all those vulnerable kids and the families that are living there. And so over these last years, we've kind of developed the programs and uh, it's a very holistic, um, it's a, base, a basically a sponsorship model for the one core part of our program and that's how it started. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, it's kind of hard, where do you start with it all? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so there's a lot of, uh, we have basically like three pillars. So our, like our main pillar would be like the family empowerment Mm. And it's coming alongside these families, keeping them healthy and together. And, you know, I mean, maybe it's even good for me to step back and tell you a little bit more just about the community before even what we do. Because, Please, like, sure. the, the community is um, extremely destitute. So there's um, most people, you know, live in, um, like, horrid con- conditions and experience a lot of trauma. People come to Cora for many reasons, it started 70 years ago on the edge of the of the garbage dump as a leper community. Mm. And so leprosy is still prevalent in Ethiopia. And so as the lepers, and they still come today into court, and it was actually to the garbage dump that they, you know, at that time it was outside of the city, and now the city's grown around it, because it's really probably actually 80 years. It was seven years when I started, so it's 80 years now. And um, so as, as that... Uh, community grew, um, you know, many people started coming from the city, I mean, from the countryside to the city to look for um, health care. And today, people still are coming, um, especially like in, if you're familiar with things that are happening in Ethiopia, there's been civil war, you know, up north, and a lot of uh, 
turmoil in different parts of the country. People are in the countryside when they're short on food, and that they will all start flocking to the city, thinking that they're going to have a better life or a different lifestyle. And they, and they will often come completely uneducated, and they're coming into an urban city, you know, and they're uneducated, have no money. And they spend maybe the little bit they might have to get one doctor's appointment. <laughs> and then after that, they have no more money to continue to go. And they end up, most often, many people end up at the slum and in Cora. And so a lot of the people that we work with are not actually, uh, some are born in Cora and have lived there for generations, but many are coming in from the outside. And so, for instance, maybe even step back one further is how I ended up in Cora. And my first experience there was in 2010. I was just going on a two-week um, missions trip uh, with my daughter, uh, and um, she's 12 years old, and I was part of the medical team. I'm a social worker. And so when we uh, decided to go to Ethiopia, that's a whole other story in itself, but we ended up to Ethiopia. I was just part of this team, and we, we actually flew when the volcano erupted in Iceland, like oh. yeah, wow. 13 years ago. And so we were up in the air when that happened, and so we were diverted. And so um, we ended up landing in Munich instead of Frankfurt because, and it took like 14 hours, like it took forever to get there, like longer flight. And then when we had to stand six hours in line and we just barely got on the flights, um, they changed all our flights and they said, well, come back in an hour. And so we went and after like being up for like, um, that's 14 and six hours standing in line so 20 hours we haven't really sat down and had a meal we decided to go have a meal and we thought oh we better go back to the gate we were just so nervous because they're, they're handing out pillows and everything so we get to the gate and they shut the gate they, they actually they make the announcement uh, we're leaving an hour early whoever's here go on the plane now we were the last plane out of munich for 10 days Ooh. so like it was just like a miracle we ended up wow. in ethiopia so that's how we got to ethiopia and when we got there, all the plans we had to work at this medical clinic north of Addis fell apart. And our driver said, oh, well, you know, it was all medical team. Um, and so he said, well, I know this one area, you know, right by the garbage dump. And that's the first time I heard Cora. Mm. You know, I, we didn't plan on going there. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was, we were meant to work at this medical clinic north of Addis. And so they had a new director, no longer wanted our help. And so anyhow, so we were in, the van driver said, because he had him for the whole week and he said, well, I'll take you, you know, to Cora if you're interested. And we said, sure. So we went into Cora. And in the first two hours, I had had my heart. <laughs> we walked into Cora, and I was brought into the home of a gal, a lady. Her name is Bellanish. And so it's broad daylight, and we're walking through these dilapidated streets and hovels made of... Um, tin and cardboard and just garbage and and he brings me into this one home and it's um not even the size of this room like it's a 10 by 10 foot at the mo like most wow. and in there uh it's pitch black like it's broad daylight but we had to kind of walk through we got into her room and it's pitch it's pitch black there's no food in there there's no blankets there's no furniture there's nothing, like just rags and a little bit of garbage. And the only way we could see it was through the flash of the camera. And so the, the gentleman that brought us there, he you know introduced to us, he obviously knew her. And he said, um, he introduced, she pushed forward, I should say, her, her son, who was 14. And he obviously had cerebral palsy or something. And he was sweating and unwell. And he just 
didn't look good. Her six-year-old daughter, she kind of pushes forward to meet me, and she has, like, complete flat effect on her face, like, not smiling, not, like, just an emptiness to this little, like, six-year-old, and she's like, and, and then um, it begins to show that her foot, she only has half of one foot, and her other foot is, um, there's a stump at the bottom of her mm. ankle, and tied on a piece of wood, and a, Oh, and, wow. and uh, just a piece of cloth and string. And um, <laughs> I said, oh, here. And I'm like, you know, I'm from Abbotsford, PC, and I've seen poverty before. I lived in Italy for years, and kind of some seeds were probably planted there, and so that, that was poor. But like this was, like, extreme. Like, I had never experienced anything like that. And I remember just in that room just feeling so helpless and overwhelmed and thinking, like, how do people like how does she live and and we found out like the next day she actually had a a two-year-old in there that we didn't see that was burning up with a fever and he'd been sick and mm. and it's just like it just hit me and I just felt like in that moment and it's just kind of a, a crazy thing but it was really very felt very real for me but in that moment I just felt God say you know what Eve this is your family and I want you to come alongside her and you know, I when that happened, I like I, I I didn't even really know what that meant. Like, how possibly could I? You know, I, I worked in adoption, and our family's built on adoption, so I'm sure that was kind of part of like you know. And it wasn't like to come, like I felt like someone needed to adopt her, not bring her to Canada, but to come alongside, like you know, give her that hand up, kind of work walk alongside her in her life. Because how does she go to the garbage dump? How does she do that with just this? partial of a foot and care for her kids and there had no food and because we'd been in that volcano um flight we had no our, none of our luggage came i was still in the oh. same clothes for days and then i all i had was one granola bar because like of course i had luggage full of donations but nothing we had at the moment so you know i gave her that and of course what does a mom do she turns around and gives it to her children and and um so i walked away from that and on that trip we were in cora maybe two or three days and I just walked away just feeling so hopeless like just like how helpless really is more the word because it was so hopeless and beyond a scope of like I even actually had a second thought like in that room and it was like most people around here need this kind of right people to kind of yeah. come alongside them but like I just discounted that like because like who am I to be able to do anything <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know and but well maybe I could do something for this one person like maybe I could just leave some money you know like and so I like, think I had $200 on me on that trip you know extra and so I, I am one of the young men we went into Cora three times on that trip in 2010 in April and so I just felt kind of led to this one one of the young men in, that uh, brought us into the into these homes and so I asked him, like, if I leave some money with you, can you move her into home with light? You know, just get her some food and this and that. And, and he said, sure. So I just left her, you know, what money I had left. And, you know, then we come back to Canada. And it was like, okay, what was that all about, you know? And I can remember, you know, not feeling too good maybe a few weeks later and just thinking, you know, I'm going to bed in my nice bed and I'm not feeling good. And you know, what does Belenish do? You know, she's not good. She sleeps, lies on that floor with this baby crawling over, a special needs child and this little girl. Like, how does she survive? And, and I just could not get Cora off of my heart. 
like I, it, it just, and when I was there, there was, you know, that was the big main story. That's the person that's really, I say, is the seed of everything that happened with Hope for Cora. But there were so many other stories and people like that. And since I've met, you know, so many people that have stories like that, just I can honestly say that probably there's no one I've met in Cora that hasn't experienced some trauma. And yeah. if they were living in North mm-hmm. America, they'd all be in trauma counseling, you know, <laughs> like it's, it's, it's really crazy. And so, um, anyway, so I came back from that first trip and just began to pray and just, you know, God, was there a reason, you know, that I went to Cora? <laughs> like, it was just like an accident. Like, yeah. I didn't even mean to go there. And um, and I just sensed in my spirit, you know, him saying, yeah, there was a reason. And so, so there's something you want me to do? <laughs> and I was like, I'd sense again, yeah, there's something I want you to do. Okay, you know, so, yeah, what do I do? And... Um, I really sensed that God said, pray. I want you to pray for this community and get other people around to pray for it as well. And so that's what I did. And, and I and I was able to get like some of my different friends and people from church, people that I knew that just began to, to meet and pray like once a month for the community. And I started going on Facebook and seeing who I connected with. And I could connect with these leaders. That These were young men that actually um, were just like, guards and they just had like just simple jobs and worked in a small church there and they had grown up on the garbage dump so they had a huge passion for their community and they're the ones that mm-hmm. brought us into Bellinish's home and so I was able to connect with a couple of them on Facebook and, and anybody else anywhere <laughs> that had ever heard of Cora I was trying to just connect I just had this you know drive to kind of want to know more about this community and and I just you know kept praying and asking God and and through that um, it was really neat. Um, over time, that was April 2010, and by November 2010, we had, um, uh, on Facebook, I just came across, it was another organization called Visiting Orphans, and they were doing a trip to Ethiopia, and in that trip, um, they were they were actually selling t-shirts, and they said, uh, anyone who had a free you know, every T-shirt you buy, you get a draw into a draw for a free trip. And we're going to for a week to Uganda and a week to Cora, and that's all I had here. Cora. So, <laughs> so then I I bought like one for my dad, for my, my my husband, for my daughter, for me, for my friend who was on the trip. You know, I, I bought four T-shirts, hoping maybe this is how I'll get back. Mm-hmm. You know, to Cora, because I just had this. I just wanted to go back and see what was happening and get to know more about that community in Bellinish and her family, and um, so. At that time, I was working for Hope Adoption Agency here, like a, as a social worker. And so I can remember one day I was at, um, it was sometime in November, and they were doing the draw on TV, on the computer. So I was you know, at work on Facebook, <laughs> seeing this live draw, if that was going to be me. And my co-worker's going, e, what are you doing? So I kind of did, well, I don't know. I'm just have this, I just want to go back. I don't know how I'm going to go back. So I'm just, maybe this is the way. And so... Of course, they do the draw, and they didn't draw my name. And then just, oh, but there's someone else thought this was such a great idea. They purchased a whole other plane ticket for someone else to come, so we're doing a second draw. So then my heart's just really, <laughs> okay, this has got to be me. This has got to be me. And uh, they drew it, and it was not me. I <laughs> 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 was bummer. But I tell you that because I went home that same day, and at 5 o'clock, there's a knock on the door. 
and someone completely unrelated that had no idea about these t-shirts, about this. They just knew that I was passionate about Cora. They said, you know what? God, just put it in my heart to give you this $1,000 towards a plane ticket for you to go to Cora. It was wow. a few hours after that. And I was like, <laughs> and one week after that, someone else completely unrelated that didn't know this person and didn't know about the draw or anything came up and said, God, just here's a check for $1,000. This is for the people of Cora. I don't know when you're going back, but when you go back, let's just to spend on them. And I think the lesson that I've just held with me since that, that has given me much courage and a lot of strength over these many years since then is, you know, we think we know how we're going to do things or how we're going to get somewhere, how something's going to happen. But God's plans are so above and way beyond anything we could imagine or think. And so, um, you know, I thought it was going to get, you know, logically all these tickets, maybe, I mean, these t-shirts, this might be the way, but, you know, God showed me something completely different. You know, when he has something that he wants you to do, he'll give you the means to do it. Mm. And I just think that, to me, that's the story of Hope for Cora. Because if you look at what we're doing today and where we are today, I mean, you know, I'm just some person who's standing in that place feeling completely overwhelmed mm. and helpless. And it's only God through giving so many people that have come alongside generous, compassionate, skilled people that have come alongside here in Canada, on our board, on our, now we have staff here, people in the U.S., people in other countries, and our staff in Ethiopia are amazing. It's just been incredible what we've grown into. And um, so, all that to say, that's kind of <laughs> how we got started. I know you asked me what Hope for Cora is, but it's, I don't know, maybe you gotta I need go to kind of go back to the beginning before <laughs> yeah. I get into what we do today, because I don't want to miss, I think, the piece that kind of has been... I've just seen so many things like that thing on the <laughs> knock on my door with the plane ticket in so many other ways um, over these years that, um, yeah, to keep, to do something on the other side of the world, or, you know, it's way above <laughs> my knowledge or understanding, but I've learned a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's quite the story. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So what is it that Hope for Cora does now? What's okay. what's the work that's been okay, done? So, it's been, what, 13 years? Yeah, yep. So it's been 13 years. So after, uh, when I went back one year later, like with the money from the knock on the door, that was in April 2012, uh, uh, no, 2010, 2011, that I went back, April 2011. And so... Um, and my husband uh, joined me a week after I got there. I went by myself, and then he came a week later, so I was there a few weeks. And uh, we began uh, kind of just exploring with the community leaders, the people that brought me into Bellamish's home, like how best to come alongside them. And I should say at one point in between, through the Facebook connections and through a whole other little story, I was able to send a second amount of money over there for them to, and they moved Bellamish, and I could, when I went to see her, she was in a whole new home she was like like kids came up and ran and jumped in my arms like it was like such a different person just mm. you could see what one year yeah of hope yeah. and coming alongside and that someone cares and you're not alone made and so when we asked the leaders that question so how can we best come alongside you because I'm you know they're not Ethiopian and you know I might have a background in social work but it's a lot different over there than here and, right. mm -hmm. and uh, so they said, we want what we see in Bellinish. 
and the difference in her life we want for other families. And so through that, we began to, we assessed 12 families. And in, so that was April, and then in July, we officially became Hope for Cora. And then in August of 2011, then we um, began looking, actively looking for sponsors. And so, so, so we began that with that route. Um, but I should say, and when we were doing that in the April 2011, when we went there, we started a small feeding program because when we were assessing these families, you know, it just felt so awkward, really, because you're like coming into their home and they're telling you their story and, you know, just, and we didn't have any active program. Hope for Cora wasn't officially in existence. And so um, we ended up beginning like a small feeding program called the Bird of Breakfast Program, which now feeds like about 500 kids every morning before school. Wow. But, so we started with, there was about 40 children in those 12 families. And so we started with those 40 children right before even Hope for Cora began. You know, we just, different people just gave money, you know, and, and we were able to fund that. And then when we became official in July of 2011, then at that point we had the, the Berta program, and then we were now officially, because we're at least offering food for their kids, mm. and then we began to come alongside the families. And so then, since then, now we've developed kind of different spokes of the wheel over all the time. And now kind of the way our program works is... Um, <clears throat> Most people, like we, come into the program through family sponsorship, and that's a three-year program. And our goal is, you know, first of all, we, we want to keep families together and healthy, and we want to help them break that cycle of poverty. But we realize, you know, really coming alongside families, and you can't really break the cycle of poverty just by giving things or, right. you know, you've you've really uh, got to help them overcome the barriers that they're facing and barriers in Cora are huge from like health. Everybody has like so many health issues and you know, there's the waters often shut off there. The waters contaminate and people eating contaminated food and you've got leprosy and you've got different people coming with TB and, and mm -hmm. AIDS. And there's so many things that kind of run rampant and so many people that are trying to earn a living. And then, you know, that some, um, women in order to provide for their kids or, you know, often go into prostitution mm. and that. So there's just so many things that just make for so many barriers in, in there and they become, you know, they've been begging some women have begging, begging since they were little kids. Uh, a lot of women that come from the countryside, we have actually quite a few women in our program that were married at 10, 12 years old, like, you wow. know, still like, so there's just so many things that we have to overcome with them so to help them overcome and so um how we've developed now is we have this three-year program and the and kind of this phase there's six phases through the program <laughs> and, <laughs> and as they're going through the first the first phase is stabilization so like we're about to right now we're actually in the process of assessing 20 new families so right now we try to add about 20 families a year so that there's always 60 active families in the program over mm -hmm. the 20 from each year and so the 20 new families will come in between October and December we have a big fundraiser coming up we try to hopefully get a kickstart on those sponsorships and we come alongside them in providing food helping them provide food rent um, uh, 
medical care. And so the whole first thing is just to kind of just stabilize the family, give the mom hope. So many of these are moms that have been abandoned or widowed or single moms, um, although we do have some dads, um, mm -hmm. some good dads in the program, but it is often, you know, women on their own. And so so we're, so the focus then for those three years is it's for the mom to stabilize. And then the kids are put into our uh, youth education, youth empowerment program, which is a separate program, and it goes on in, until they graduate from high school, and then they can apply for scholarships. So it's a real holistic program in, in that. Um, we just felt like to really break the cycle if you just focus on one child or one person. Like the family, there the barriers are so huge. You need to hit it on all angles. Like we've right. had to open a daycare because how can a mom come to all of our trainings or how can she get work with a baby on her back? Mm -hmm. um, and you have to help the kids in school. And then and then if she's sick or a child's sick, you've got the education piece. And then there's literacy. So we have literacy classes. And and so once a family's stabilized, the next phase they'll move into like growth and development where they're now attending vocational. We have vocational school um, partner, a lot of partnerships in core with other organizations that are doing great work, you know, because we can't reinvent the wheel for everything. And so, you know, the, the key thing is is being able to really partner with other Ethiopians that know what they're, you know, doing in these right. different areas. So we do that. And then we have life skills trainings where we have um, our own, like the first, like four to six months, they're in life skills trainings. And then what's they're past that's when they start more choosing a vocation or if they're going to do a small business and then they move on into get a small grant if they're doing a business or we pay for their school if they're doing a vocation and then from there they hopefully we can get them and they're at a point as soon as they can to be able to begin to earn to make some money and then they can begin to save and they're still in the program and then on the third year they begin to transition out so they you know we'll start by they'll the first two months they'll pay for half of the groceries we'll pay for half the next two months they'll pay for all the groceries you know they just slowly off mm -hmm. the last year so but the, during this time they've also if they've been working the year before and have started business they can also start to save money and and some of our women have been just so proud and excited of what they've been able to save to help them when they when they graduate and then so all during that time all the kids then are in our as our youth program and we have like a very big youth program. We have like, last year we had about a thousand kids come through our programs. Wow. And we have like 500 kids in the mornings to feed, um, breakfast before school, some, um, a bird of breakfast that's a pancake that's kind of um, made for kids and for malnourished uh, bodies, and not just kids, for adults too. So we have parents will come sometimes, and you know, especially breastfeeding moms and, right. and pregnant moms or. Uh, and um, then we have after school tutoring programs. So we have about uh, three, 300 kids in our after school tutoring programs. And we have like about 12 different tutors that we hire on separate contracts so that um, in all the key areas to really help kids be able to excel at school. There's so many gaps because kids have been out at the dump begging, out at the dump scavenging because at the dump you'll scavenge to, for metal, for plastics, and it's not uncommon every day around 4 o'clock you'll see kids with like these burlap bags just coming off the dump. Well, they haven't been in school. They've been out at the dump, you know, yeah. trying, you know, mm -hmm. to um, 
make something to sell for money that they'll go to the dump to eat uh, food like the airport truck is huge I remember the first time I went to the I've only been on the dump a couple times and but um, in 2011 I went to the dump and the airport truck came and like it was crazy like everybody as soon as that blue truck came like just a regular garbage dump and it was swarmed with kids and people on top they're trying to be the first because all those meals that we don't <laughs> finish oh, ends up at right. the at the trash dump and that's like the the best truck ever because yeah. you can get a proper meal you know and so um yeah so uh it's back with the youth program so a big part of youth empowerment similar to the moms we really want to empower our kids for their future and so we have a huge amount of clubs like well not huge but like probably 20 10, 15 to 20 different clubs. We have music club, art club, sign language club, reading club, computer, infotech. Um, you know, all these things have developed, obviously, mm-hmm. <laughs> over time. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, we have other, uh, like, partnering with some other organizations. Like this summer, our kids, uh, we had several different groups of, I'm not sure how many, probably uh, anywhere from probably 30 to 50 kids going a, a couple times to another a place just outside of Addis and where they do a lot of trauma training and it's just a really cool like outside beautiful you know grounds and playground for kids to play at and then like for older teens young adults they have like um you know uh, what would you call it like a kind of oh, words escaping me but yeah you know where you have all different hurdles you have to walk through and to you know just kind like of track uh, and field kind yeah, of well track and field but more like you have to kind of walk over this cr- crazy bridge and like an obstacle course obstacle, yeah. That's oh, okay. the word. yeah 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 thank you <clears throat> yeah yeah gotcha. that's what I so something like that but really kind of really fun and and you know <laughs> and neat so it's just so fun to see all the videos that you know our staff send back and connection just the impact and these trained trauma counselors will work with their kids because we have kids that are orphaned and abandoned kids that you know have been lived on the street and you know a lot of different issues and uh, so then you know we hope that kids will graduate from high school and go on to to university and college we just had one of our kids that i met i think her mom was in our program probably started somewhere around 2013 14 and has his, her mom has graduated, but she just graduated from university with a, a degree in public health and just got licensed as a health officer, which is like a physician's assistant. And so I was so proud. It's so exciting <laughs> oh, to yeah. see, you yeah. know, some of these kids I've known since they're younger to see, oh man, this is working, you know. The fruits of the labor, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's amazing. encouraging, so encouraging. So, yeah, so those are our two main things, that empowerment, um, for the families and the moms and then for the youth. And then the third pillar is kind of the medical health services, which is a lot of prevention, you know, and we work with preventing health and education is huge, but it's kind of got a separate department. And then we also have a leprosy home. We have um, right now, we have about six elders living in the home that I met them, some of them right on my very first trip. But the conditions when I went into their homes the first time was just make you weak like you wouldn't even put a rabid dog that you were afraid of in in those kinds Mm -hmm. of conditions that these men were living in and so now they live in a beautiful home and and so that's more of our like it's not so much empowerment as coming alongside and 
those last years of their life can be fulfilling and community and safe and not be afraid of going out on the street because some of our men actually don't like to leave the compound too much because they've had such traumatic experiences with people you know being cruel to them so yeah so that's (sighs) interesting what a just i'm just blown away by the the culture shock and the how things are so different there um, like what, what was it for you? Like, how did you kind of, even from the very beginning, the first trip that you went to, you saw this poverty, you saw these people in need, like that affect you. It, it clearly had an effect on you, right? You were drawn back. You knew you had to get back there somehow. Just, uh, I don't know if that was a question, but I'm just blown away <laughs> yeah, by that. It is. Yeah. I can remember, especially the first few times coming back from Cora and you walk into your house and then just, it's just like yeah it's hard to reconcile in one's mind because you know we have such a beautiful home and mm-hmm. have so much space or streets are empty and we can walk on them and we have beautiful grass and places to play it it's hard and actually my my daughter was with me and she was 12 on that first trip and she hasn't um, she's hoping once she graduates from university she's going to come back and, and to Cora with me but um, she hasn't had the opportunity to go back or since that first trip and she was 12 and it was really hard you know like taking a 12 year old because there wasn't a hope for Cora back then there was mm. there were no medical teams there was mm-hmm. the the hope and what you saw was even it's still there now but it's a little bit more hidden I mean it's for most people it's not but I mean it's not hidden but it's not as as even horrible as it was when I first went, you know, now that you see hope because you see the compounds, you see places where kids are going and getting fed. And when I went there the first time, there was nothing like that anywhere. I, there were no other organizations in Cora. We were the first medical team that the group that we were at, that church had ever had in Cora before. And now, you know, there have been a lot more, you know, different teams going in at different organizations. But some reason that just kind of was a turning point for that community around mm-hmm. 2010 where it became people more aware of it but um yeah so it is a a culture shock and it's hard it's hard to yeah to understand and, and i and i um yeah i think sometimes even for my daughter even through high school and that it was always really hard for her because people you know would complain and think things are so bad and yet when you've seen things that are so horrible but you can't can't you understand other people haven't experienced that so you can't expect mm-hmm. them to to you know have that same understanding you know but i guess for me once i saw it and once i stepped into it i just couldn't just you know i mean i could have just walked away but i, I guess i just god wasn't gonna let me <laughs> you know and and i guess i feel like maybe that's why we went there in the first place you know and um because it sure wasn't my plan ever to found an organization or anything that was just and it all just unfolded and like i said a lot of good people amazing people along the way who have been there and have come many people have come to cora and we have an amazing board here in abbotsford and They've all been to Cora, and they all, you know, are very committed and passionate. Mm-hmm. And I always warn people and teams, well, <laughs> once you go, just be prepared because <laughs> you're going to want to go back. And it, 
it seems to be true for most people that have gone, you know, the, um, the other thing that's, it, is so special about there is the people are so beautiful and so welcoming and it's 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 humbling to sit in like this little hovel and with these people who just share their life and open their lives with you and then they're you know they have so little and they want to make you popcorn and serve you coffee and then if you know anything about ethiopian coffee it's like a huge ceremony yeah. it takes like yeah. an hour and a half to have coffee you know and and it's it's so beautiful and the people are so warm and friendly and so it's it's really been just a privilege of a lifetime really to get to know people there to you know call people my my friends and yeah. to love them and to have them love me in return like that's just really special you know yeah. for sure yeah so. mm. yeah that is i'm glad that you brought that up as well the the warmness and friendliness because mm -hmm. that's that's kind of a common thread that goes between these stories of people that have gone to these impoverished company or companies countries yeah. <laughs> and and seeing the less fortunate it, it always seems like despite all that you would think that finding yourself in a situation like that that you yourself would be horribly depressed <laughs> like mm -hmm. and even the small inconveniences that we find they they weigh us down but mm -hmm. you you go to these places and see these people and they're just still like yeah they have their troubles but they're welcoming and friendly and yeah. and yeah despite everything despite everything yeah. yeah 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 and there is still a lot of you know depression and i think too in those situations people don't always have time to you know we have so much time here to look at ourselves and mm -hmm. self-reflect mm -hmm. and they have to feed their kids or right. they're not they can't scramble something together and pay their rent they're on the street you know and it's just like that moment day by day survival and so then the depression kind of shows in different ways and like the COVID-19 it was kind of crazy over there and that's where we just could really see I mean I always as a social worker have kind of thought oh boy how do we even ever address all this trauma mm -hmm. and things I mean because so many you know situations you know from abandonment to rape to being you know terrible situations with families or terrible horrible you know people stealing everything from them and you know they just every you know just an illness and, and being there with your parents and then they're gone and now you're alone and, and you know all these things and so much and uh but they don't have time so much to yeah process it so during covid that's where um we were where it just became so apparent because to the fear with COVID was so huge in Cora and also, yeah. you know, we're all of us, we were all praying <laughs> because someone gets sick there, like it's going to go like yeah. lightning, you know, through the, and, uh, but anyway, so we were able to really develop the whole trauma and, and, and the whole counseling part of our program. And that's been really huge. We've seen a real shift in people's ability to move forward, to start, um, probably not the same kind of extensive counseling that we would have here, but it's still like there's different people have really been able to work through things because they can't, they can't get that mindset if you have no self-worth and to try to hold, even if you give training to someone to, and they want to even do a simple job, like become like, um, you know, maybe they, they can't have an education, so they have to do something more, um, manual like even mm -hmm. cleaning or something like yeah. that but to stay in that day in day out 
um, when you have this huge trauma, like you know, sometimes it's just so much easier just to beg or just to, you know, like yeah, it's just like right. there's so many barriers there. And so that's been really uh, neat to kind of be able to see our staff over there connect with organizations as well as our own staff. Now we have some, you know, really um, gifted social workers and educated social workers that are really skilled working with our families. And that makes a Mm. big difference to be able to help yeah. them deal with that. Yeah. Powerful. So <clears throat> Hope for Core started like you were the beginning of Hope for Core, like you were the founder and all that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how did you begin to pull this team together? Was it just you and you just found people like minded individuals or was it just teaming up with people in Ethiopia or? Yeah. So, I mean, I think on both sides, like the, the group of young men that brought us into Belanish's home on my very first visit, those were the people I was able to, you know, was able to connect with on Facebook and, and, and they were, they were with a small church and, and around that time, like in, like about one year later, mm. after they'd already now been helping Belanish, they were able to get a license and they started at like an Ethiopian kind of a organic organization. And okay. so then as we over here, then, so that was happening there. So that's who I was connecting with because those were right. leaders in the community. So anything that we were doing, I was, you know, just communicating a little bit with them over Facebook that first year. And then meanwhile here, I was just had there was key people that were praying and just coming and wanting to hear about Cora, and then so that kind of was our first group of people, and then mm. when we went back, Dave, my husband, and I went back in 2011. You know, um, different people then were even more wanting to know because we came back with more we'd started a feeding program you know so we had more to tell people about and share mm-hmm. about and ways that they could kind of jump on board and then so that uh, that first group of people that was just began praying that and ended up growing into like an advisory team and the adoption agency that I was working with Hope Adoption uh, Lauren Wellwood who's here in town and he he's an attorney and just amazing amazing man and he connected us with international discipleship training which was a nonprofit both here in Canada and the US and so they took us under their wing and so we began you know it so that's how hope for Cora began but we, we weren't we didn't have our own individual license we, we were under the wing of someone else because we we're so mm. small to mm-hmm. start with but we had an advisory kind of board that was under the IDT board of directors right so okay and then over over the years by I think it was 2015 or 17 I don't think it's 2015 anyway I'd have to look back but um we just began to grow and grow and grow and IDT is actually quite small and so then they um it, it ended up switched. So now IDT, there's, they, actually they, they're just in the U.S. now, but there's some missionaries that, that now are under Hope for Cora and work in Mexico. So we have a small thing in Mexico, but they kind of um, are under our, you know, we work with them, but we aren't actually 
on the ground. They are, are on the ground. Like, mm. so, so now they are, mm -hmm. so they're under us, kind of like. So that's how we switched it. So there was a name change from IDT to Hope for Cora. And that's, wow. so, yeah, so that's how that grew. But so it, and it just, um, I mean, I can't explain it. It just really seemed like everywhere along the way, like we had some great people that came alongside. Like there was uh, Dave Collins, who had um, founded Food for the Hungry here in Canada. And so uh, he had a daughter that he, they had adopted from China and our youngest we adopted from China and she was who was with me in Ethiopia. And so we already had that connection. So when I talked with him, he was able to give me a lot of support and mm -hmm. insight. And, um, and then we also had originally on our original team in, that when we went over there where on that very first trip, we were with Hope International from in Burnaby. And so I asked them a lot of questions because, you know, and, you know, so it just kind of, it just seemed there were a lot of people that had done this work that were willing to give me a lot of, you know, insight and come, they didn't necessarily join the team, but they were able to kind of give me guidance and yeah. answer a lot of questions. And, you know, so that, that was really wonderful. And so eventually... You know, we ended up having so then our own board, you know, of directors that, you know, and, and in Ethiopia, we started with this small NGO and then some of them over time, all the leaders that we knew ended up um, moving on and into, and so we ended up, there was a different change in leadership and different challenges along the way. And so in 2020, we were able to, well, actually t September of 2019, we were able to get our license in Ethiopia as a licensed NGO. Mm. So in Ethiopia, so no longer are we partnering with with the, with. The, with the original organization, because that, that organization, I think, is, I'm not even sure if it's in existence, but all the key people that were passionate, that we shared the same vision with, ended up leaving, and that's who we, you know, through Ethiopia had to legally go, you know, we were partnering with right. them. But, um, but now, since... 2020, we've been on our our own as an international NGO licensed in Ethiopia, and that's been like really amazing. We have a fantastic country director named Sosna Shafira, and she's just a beautiful Ethiopian, passionate and so gifted and a talented leader. Loves the people, loves the staff, and just couldn't ask for someone better to lead our organization and we have just amazing social work and leadership team over there that have just developed and just been through careful I mean Sosna's leadership and in, in, in putting together this team over there has been amazing and, and I'm on the phone like every week with Sosna and I mean we're always like we're very close and all our social workers know their social workers so it's kind of we always mm -hmm. kind of laugh that someone's Hope for Carter is always working 24-7 because either they're in the office or yeah. we are because we're on opposite times, you know. And so, um, yeah, so that's been really, you know, great. It just, I mean, it's just been a slow, I mean, it's been fast growth in a way when you look mm. at how, what we're doing, but yeah. it was just a step by step by step. You it know. seems very quick, though, like when <laughs> when you say that it's only been a little over 10 years and the amount of lives that have been touched in, in such a short, I mean, relatively speaking, such a short amount mm -hmm. of time is, it, it's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so are you, <clears throat> are you close, I guess, I mean, has there ever been anyone from Cora that has come here and visited? 
No, we haven't had anyone come here mm. and, and, and visit, although we're hoping that Sosna will come mm-hmm. uh, for we have like evening for chorus coming up October twenty eighth here <laughs> Abbotsford oh. if anybody wants to join I can tell you a bit about that if anyone wants to come but next year we're hoping Sosna will come and and speak and we've, I've always been really careful with Cora because of you know just with bringing people over just want to make sure that that's the right thing to do right. and, and that you know because. Yeah. Um, but with Sosna, it'll be great, you know, and, and she'll come. But we haven't really brought kids over, or, you know, anyone like that. Mm-hmm. So we've really tried to really want to develop leaders there and people that will impact their community and make a difference there, you know. And yeah. so that's kind of been a real focus in that. Interesting. We do have one person on the ground from the States. His name is Jake Boner, and he's our deputy country director, and he's been there, like, for seven years off and on in the last, uh, since we've been an INGO over there, he's been there full-time. And uh, Jake is um, from Pennsylvania and has a huge passion for Cora, and we just met, and it's just one of those organic relationships that have developed. And so he's coming. He's going to be speaking at our evening for Cora here in Abbotsford in a few weeks. So he's, you know, so he comes and shares his first end, you know, what it's like living there. And he spent the night at the dump before, and he's done different things like that. And mm-hmm. he's, yeah, so it's... So, okay, I just want to kind of get a feel for the, the logistics of Hope for Cora. How often do you... Are you or people from the organization going to Cora, or is it mostly just you're kind of staying here and monitoring the situation? No, like we're heavily involved with what's going on over there. Like, um, as far as physically being on the ground, I used to go about three times a year. Okay. Now I go twice a year. I go every January and June, typically. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we have Jake is on the ground there right now full time. but, um, like, we are, like, all the program development and so much, like, we have, like, a small staff here, about four people, and everyone has these are degrees in global development, and, you know, different, or, you know, just, like, so quite um, passionate about what they do, and yeah. are, 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 like, um, really have a, a really great skill set and are really... Um, connect well with the social workers over there so like we will like our sponsorship manager for instance melanie she's there she's communicating with our our uh, family empowerment um the officer who oversees the whole um we call it psychosocial and economic empowerment uh, section of our of our team over there so they're communicating all, all the time like with these new families that are coming in and and they'll have questions sometimes well how do we handle this like we will actually even problem solve on a lot of things together program development we do together so we're very much kind of work together on a lot of things and mm-hmm. then during so I will go over twice a year and the board members will, you know, different board members will go over, you know, usually once a year, not everybody on the board goes, but a few board members will go, you know, at, at different points. Everybody's been there at one time, but not everybody goes there every year or anything mm-hmm. like that. But, and, uh, so and over there we have now about 50 staff. Wow. 50. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause we have like, a, like our daycare has like 10, you know, we have like four, uh, special needs kids in our daycare like mm-hmm. um special needs over there like um in many parts of ethiopia um and in Cora, 
people will often think uh, people with special needs are cursed. The, the mm-hmm. families are cursed. So a lot of our moms, like when they, the, the, the four moms that are <laughs> parenting those four children, like they were on their own and like they can't work. They have to look, I mean, it's just really horrible for those moms because they have no, no support and they're often abandoned because people think there's something wrong with them and people won't rent to them because there's something wrong with their kids. And wow. so we have a really good partnership with another organization that specializes in special needs in in Addis and so they they're helping us in training they've trained some of our nannies but so anyway that part of our program alone which is just one piece for our younger kids you know it has 10 staff right there but that's a big you know piece of you know you need a lot of kids we have 40 kids in our daycare and then we have um you know all the we have guards and cooks, so we have a lot, like, probably, I don't know what the percentage used to be, but around 70%, I'm not sure what it is now, but it's probably still close to that of, of our staff are actually from Cora themselves. Like, mm. many of our staff, like our cooks or our guards, I mean, they could have been in our program on to some degree, and some right. of them, like, we have one of our dads who's, uh, like, just been such a great dad, and all through the years has been supporting his family, and so eventually, you know, he was part of our program, and his wife, and, and, uh, so his wife now works at a hospital, and he works at one of our guards. And his kids, you know, his daughter has actually got one year left and is going to be a radiologist, you know. Wow. And, so, and they, I met them. I met her daughter on the garbage dump in 2011 when I went there on the dump. And, you know, their kids weren't in school because they had to survive. And so they were out on the dump trying to make money just to pay rent. And wow. So so neat to see that. Yeah. So that's, that's a awesome. really cool story. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, those are the ones that get me just... <clears throat> knowing that you made that difference in someone's life going from just, you know, scrounging in the dump to going to college and making a difference and helping people is just amazing. I'm so encouraged by that. Yeah. Yeah. So you, <clears throat> I think you touched on it earlier that uh, the fundraiser that you're about to do mm-hmm. helps fund your trips back to core, I think was my understanding of it. No, it helps for fund. I mean, that would be a small part, but okay. it would help. Like all these programs are funded from yeah. here. Mm-hmm. So like, so okay. we have, yeah, quite yeah. a few programs. And then the other thing I haven't really touched on is that we also do community projects and stuff because we want to make a difference in the community, just not the lives. So like in our tutoring program, we have kids that are in our tutoring program that are from the community, not necessarily in our sponsored families, mm. right? Um, and then we, this past year, we just um, built a well that was 220 meters deep oh. at Basilio School, which is one of the schools right on the edge of the garbage dump. 7,000 kids go to the school, and we were trucking in 100,000 gallons of water or liters I can't remember which was but a hundred thousand of them <laughs> a week yeah. for wow. the last two years uh, because three years ago I think that was about three years now anyway um, when we went there there had not been running water in that school for five years can you imagine wow. like, that many kids no running water like teachers wouldn't work there it was at the lowest rated school yeah. like, mm-hmm. um, in the city because couldn't even go to the bathroom. I mean, yeah. it was, you know, the toilets didn't flush, kids couldn't wash their hands. And, you know, it was really, they were really desperate for water. So we began trucking in water, but realized this wasn't sustainable. Mm-hmm, so then mm-hmm. we, so then, um, you know, so last year we got this well going and, and then built this 
you know, that was a huge project and it was really exciting that so many people came alongside that. So there's a lot of things that get funded over here that was uh, funded through kind of separate, but the Evening for Cora kind of helps to support all of our programs from the elders leprosy to, you know, different uh, daycare sponsorships, salaries for our staff over there, yeah. you know, for mm -hmm. everything that, that we do, rented compounds and like in Ethiopia, inflation has just skyrocketed. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's been huge. Um, we just recently, we were calculating over the summer, we did a newsletter and that the rent that we were, our families were paying like Bellinish when we first met her. The home, what it went then has gone up 1500%. Oh, wow. That's like, it's crazy. Like at the garbage dump, you're having to pay 60 to $80, $60 a, a month. Yeah. Like, and it's like, they can't even make that in a month, let alone eat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With, you know, like wow. it's crazy. So, yeah, so all those things are all. So we have Evening for Cora. It's really awesome. Wonderful night that we have it. Um, it's both online and in person. Okay. It's so October 28th. And so we are having it at the Clarion Hotel here in Abbotsford. And so um, those that attend in person, it's um, this really great night of, we have a, a, of course, great dinner there at the Clarion. Mm -hmm. And there's a live auction and silent auction. But we also have a really great program and that's live streamed. So that can, mm -hmm. and people will be able to watch that online. And we'll have a lot of, you know, some of our staff from Ethiopia and we'll be sharing and we'll be sharing a lot of the great stories of things that, that have happened this year and ways that so many people have come together to make a difference. So it's kind of, we'll show kind of the hard parts about Cora, but also mm. the encouraging and exciting things about, yeah. you know, what we're doing and how lives are changing. And so we're really excited. It's a really fun, wonderful evening. So That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And you raise a ton of money, I assume. Yeah, we're sort of <laughs> grateful for <laughs> every every dollar that comes in. I think that's also been a part of hope for Cora. At least it's always been important to me. Is just that um, when people give and come alongside on this side, it's it's so important, and those people are important, just as important as the people that are over there, you know. And mm -hmm. that um, so we really value the people that have come alongside and supported our families and supported Cora and we really try to build connections when people sponsor families if they want to have that connection and connect with their families we provide opportunities and ways to do that and try to give really good updates so that people can really be part of that because not everybody gets to go that far away you know to the yeah, other side right. of the world but when they come alongside those families they can actually make a huge difference and of course praying for those families makes a huge difference and for all the things that has happened so we really appreciate so we you know with evening for Cora too that's you know we really hope we when people come alongside and come there that it'll be a night that they'll really feel like oh this is really meaningful and they really had a chance to kind of enter into Cora that's kind of how we hope it will be and we've been doing it a few years and so yeah. that's pretty cool now. I'm glad that's exciting yeah. did you have any idea or concept of how big this was going to get when you started or did you just kind of take it one step at a time i had no idea <laughs> <laughs> i had no idea 
like I, I really didn't know. I was just one step at a time in the direction and yeah, mm -hmm. yeah I did not know. Oh, like first was just could help Bellinish, you know, we could make a difference there, and that would be wonderful, and it, and it is. And knowing her, and like now she's she's one of our basket weavers. She makes an income, independent, and her kids are in school. And the little girl that was had that flat, no expression on her face is now in grade twelve, and wow. I'm going to be graduating from high school next year and going on to college. So I'm so excited for that. And, yeah, but so yeah, I had no idea where it was going, <laughs> but uh, I'm grateful to have been a part of it. Yeah, yeah, that's great that you've been able to do as much as you have done so far. Mm -hmm. You, you and your team. Yeah, yeah. is uh, evening for Cora? Is that open to just anybody? Yeah. Yeah. Where can they find tickets or? Yeah, you can go online at www.hopeforcora.org. Mm. Course. And uh, the tickets you can register to just for the online portion there, or you can purchase the tickets uh, for the in-person event. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. What? I guess I'm just more interested in the in. Well, I'm interested in everything, but what mm -hmm. kind of, like, how does how is our culture different compared to Cora, and like what? What kind of ways? How did you have to acclimate to the to the surroundings when you get there? Well, yeah, it is like very different. Yeah. There's a lot of power outages. Everything is hurry up and wait. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. I think being flexible and kind of. Um, being able to kind of roll with the punches, you know, as things go or things change and things happen so quickly. Um, you go from the highest high to the lowest low within a matter of hours, you know, there it's just, you know, I often like on my last trip, I think that's one of the things that stuck with me uh, so much is for our staff, just, you know, always really praying for them for their own emotional health and well-being and all of that because they did work so, I mean they're in it day in and day out and it's so so many exciting things to rejoice and great things that happen and then honestly an hour later someone is on their deathbed or your next day mm -hmm. you're at a funeral and or someone's whole life of everything is you know been stolen from them and <laughs> it's just mm -hmm. it's just and it's so devastating the, the lows are so low they're um but the highs, there's so many things to celebrate and be excited about too. So it's just that, you know, so just have to kind of be able to go, go with that. Yeah. Um, but, and I grew up moving around a lot. Like my dad was in the Canadian military. Mm. So I think that helped, you know, like I, I think we went to like 15 different schools by the time I graduated oh, wow. from high school and lived in quite a few different countries and so I think that helped me to you know my core has always been my family and you know like and and so I think moving into those different situations and seeing you know I've always been kind of excited about that like mm -hmm. it's kind of like a part of I enjoy like uh, exploring culture and learning about people and mm -hmm. so I think that that helps you know um, and I think people that have come with us that have that you know are, are flexible and it can kind of I think have an easier time with changing 
culture. I think the, the lows and the highs, like the lows can be really hard because yeah. it's so raw. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you just even see things medically that you just like, you know, you, <laughs> they're not having help and they're just in a bed and yeah. you're just like, you know, and you're just, you can't help everybody. That's so hard. Mm. Yeah, that's probably the toughest part, I assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Knowing, seeing all the hurt and the pain and knowing that you're making a difference, but knowing that it's just a small, small piece of the pie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you're making a difference regardless. Uh, I'm so grateful. What, I guess what, um, I guess, do you have a question? No, go ahead. Um, what, how do you think that you've changed since starting Hope for Cora? Like what, how has this been for you? How has it grown you as a person? Anything like that? <laughs> I'll changed in a lot of ways. Um, my world got a lot bigger. <laughs> um, I just uh, oh. yeah. I mean, there's just so many things that hurt a lot more, you know, because you see real proof. It's so real, like you know, like and and even now, like I sometimes I'll watch these. You know, advertisements you see on East TV mm. from things that people, and I'm thinking, I look at the, okay, those are like, you realize, well, that's probably what people think when they look at, you know, something we show on a video. But <laughs> when I see the video, I say, okay, that's Bell and there's, that's Baruch, that's, you know, and I see these people, and there's so that depth of, of just compassion and just being, oh, I I don't know. There's, yeah. So it's changed inside how I look at people, how I look at. I th- I think I'm, um, lot maybe less judgmental about things, you know, and just and. Um, grateful, hmm. I'm grateful. So many things, and yeah. There's just a lot of different areas that's changed in my life, it's, yeah. you know, and then just. You know, just the actual busyness of life and, of, you know, hope for Cora over the years has been a lot of, um, yeah, just leading that has been, a, you know, has changed me a lot too, you know. So there's kind of different pieces of it because there's the actual reality of Cora and then there's actual hope for Cora and <laughs> what we're right. doing, you know, there's kind of two pieces and so. Do you think that you're going to do this for the rest of your life? <laughs> I'm sure I'll be connected to Cora for the rest of my life, yeah. Good. I mean, I can't, I mean, it's kind of one of those things you kind of just, when I walked into Cora, like when I went back that next time, like, it's just like, I belong here, you know? Yeah. It's just something, you know, it's just like it was, it's like a second home. I mean, I, you know, it, I mean, guess that's the other thing that's changed me is, you know, before I was... You know, you're here, and I mean, but my heart wasn't also divided someplace else. You know, now right. you have like, cause you know, um, my family and my kids. I mean, the most important. I mean, I just love them so much, and what we have here in, in, in here in Canada as a family, and just my own, my parents, my you know, all those people that my friends that I care about, and that's all so important and huge. And relationships have always really been most. Those are my priorities. You know, of course, right. Um, so now there's a whole other group of relationships and a home on the other side of the world. So that's kind of living in these two places, mm. you know. 
and most of my kids have all been over there. Four, uh, three of my four kids have been there, and you know, a few have been there a, a few times. And my husband comes with me, you know, all the time. He's been a huge supporter mm-hmm. of everything from the moment I went over there. He was so interested because he wasn't on that first trip, but mm-hmm. just wanted to hear everything, you know, and, and just was so taken with it. And I'm just so grateful, you know, for him and for just how, you know, he's um, leads our board, so he's a, a on the board of directors and he's just been you know his heart is for Cora and so that's been just really beautiful too for us as a couple to do together and to you know it's not a separate part of my life you know he's you know we share that together right. and that's really lovely and um he, you know and he comes over with me at least once a year you know sometimes he'll come with me on the two trips depending on his work schedule <laughs> Interesting. I'm glad that it's a family affair. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. And I just, I <clears throat> I am blown away that you can still find a place that feels like home. Like you said, halfway, you know, across the world, but it still feels like home. It, is that, I mean, do you think that's just, that it was meant to be that way? Do you think that it's just the people there? It's just circumstance? What do you think? Like, how do you... It, I think it's just incredible that <laughs> yeah. it's like that. Yeah, that's I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I, you know, honestly, you know, I, I mean, I really do believe like it was just a God thing, you know. So He was like a mm-hmm. part of it. Like, like again, like this, we wouldn't be where we are today. Like, I really don't think you know all these things would have happened without, you know, this was something that He wanted. So it was beyond really me. It was just you know, if it wasn't me me something else that he would have brought to Cora, you know. But I got to be the one. I'm so grateful. <laughs> but um yeah, and so those entering into the lives of people there and just having those deep friendships. And you know, it's all all of those pieces put you know, put together. I think um it's you know, it's funny how you can connect on such a level with people that we don't speak the same language like I'm terrible at a mark I mean I've tried but it's very difficult and I just I'm not there enough to be engrossed in it I mean I know you know enough words to get by and everything but so the really deep conversations you know um, are always Mm. through translators and you know there's a few um, people that are close to the people there and the close and it's just amazing how close and how much you can discuss and share you know on a real heart to heart um, even when it's a translator and uh, but just having those those relationships I think you know once you build those relationships and you've had those few experiences and that's you, you just it's like you would have here if you have those deep relationships or conversations or enter into the pain in each other's life then when you enter into each other's pain the relationship changes it shifts right. you know and I think maybe that's part of what happens there is because we enter into that and Hmm. Hmm. Interesting to think about. What, um, okay, yeah. So what is, what does your day-to-day look like for Hope for Cora? This is what you spend most of your day on. Like, how are you serving the organization right now? Okay, well, as a, you know, leading it, that's I'm always, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, working with our staff here. You know, and then working with uh, 
over in Ethiopia, so I'll be on the phone in Ethiopia, like with Sosna and I are, you know, very close and we're good, dear friends, you mm -hmm. know, as well as, you know, uh, she's leading that organization and I'm leading here. And so we kind of collaborate on everything and share. And so I'll often, you know, if, you know, not every morning, but like a few mornings a week, I'm usually on the phone there because it's their nighttime where we flip it and I, I'll go to, before I go to bed, I'll call them. So it's kind of this, you know, so you have to kind of shift a little bit there. Mm. And, um, so I will also do a lot, um, like right now I'm doing a lot of things, preparing for evening for, evening for Cora, and I'll take like a lot of the different pieces of our trip and trying to put it together and thinking through how, you know, what, what stories, what to share, and how we're going to share on the evening for Cora and, and how to help people really kind of be a part of it and sense mm. what's really happening there and that. And so we do a lot of work with their sponsorship manager and like and do a lot of different like problem solving too when different things you know come up with different um situations like in ethiopia like they might be uh, wanting to know um you know like we had one of her moms um recently who She'd been in a program for a while, and, and over time it became apparent she had an alcohol problem, and, and mm. so, and then the children are in a um, dire situation because mom is really having big problems. So, you know, we work together, like, how do we keep those kids safe? Because it's not the same safety net as here. There's no right. social services yeah. and all of that. And so we had to work that together. So there's lots of things like that. Um, do a lot of meeting with people and... Um, figuring out how to fundraise. I work with a finance manager and working on budgeting, you know, so all the different like areas of the organization we've kind of developed like all the different phases of the programs you know, at different times over the years. I've been working on all different program developments and on different pieces of how are we, how can we serve deeper mm -hmm. and better. It's not, it's not necessarily about wanting to always grow or get bigger, but how do we do what we do better to really change? Because we really, I mean, our, we really want to help break the cycle of poverty. We don't want to just be able to, okay, that person graduated. You know? yeah. <laughs> like, and, and that's been a huge thing that we've had a lot of conversations in Ethiopia, Sosna and I, about, about, you know, the whole how do we help these families have access, uneducated women have access to jobs that will actually provide enough that once mm -hmm. they graduate, they can actually live off of, you know, yeah. like they're not going to be able to really break out of this, if, especially if you're not educated and you're living in an urban city like that and, and with prices as they are, how could, they can't really earn enough to really ever pay for school, for rent, for food. Like it's just, it, it almost feels hopeless in that sense, right? Yeah. So, so how do you, how do you, do that and, and that's where I think again working with that whole family you know so it'll be that second generation like if we can keep the mom healthy and providing for the family and and where they can just at least stay together then as the as the kids go through the program and they go on to to either university or college and start working then they'll start working as a family and provide then that's slowly you know we've had a few people move out of Cora and stuff and that's you know you know, the goal, but it doesn't. So all those kinds of problem solve, like there's so many things to problem solve and, mm -hmm. 
and then um, right now it's been lovely because having Sosna leadership who's on the ground there and doing so well and, and building such a good team and, and she's so um, talented like as a in skill um, really has made my job here much easier like a few years ago like uh, mm -hmm. There were some very, you know, challenging years, as you know, before we were making the decision to become an INGO, where you know, because you, you're really wanting to make sure our families are being served, that things are really happening, and then you know, there was a switch in leadership, and the vision wasn't quite the same, you know. So then you're kind of okay, where are we going from here? And you know, so the, all those kinds of things you're working through, but I don't have those issues right now. Right. So I'm grateful for that. <laughs> but over the years, <laughs> those are the kinds of you know, all the different different many different hats over the years like in the beginning it was just you know i wore all those different hats yeah. and then over time it was just so excited when we finally got someone to <laughs> do different parts <laughs> hmm. mm -hmm. that's yeah. amazing yeah i can only imagine that must have been <clears throat> an immense amount of work at the beginning no, it, was a, it was a few days <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i mean <clears throat> i feel like you're the type of person though that even though you did it all at one point and now you've kind of pieced the parceled it out to other people, you're still doing the same amount of work. I, feel like. <laughs> well, I might switch in different pieces. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things like right now that I enjoy doing too, like, because I also had an art background. Like I was always, mm. before I was in university, do I go into graphic, you know, art or do I go into social work? I went into social work and then I was like, oh, shouldn't I have done art? And so funny. So now I'm in this position, I get to do all of it because, I, I mean, you know, not all of it, but I mean, I get to use all of those yeah. different skills and oh. passions. So, so like for the evening for Cora, for the invitation and the design of the poster, you know, I enjoy it. So we don't have to outsource that. I, I can help with that. We do have someone that now helps with the, uh, part-time with some of the social media because it's hard to kind of keep up on all of that but mm. but uh you know a lot of the different things with photography and putting things together and that mm. you know I, I enjoy that so I do parts of that so but. wow very cool it's yes. that's it's it's interesting that you can <clears throat> that you still found a way to figure out all your passions into one thing and it just works out that way <laughs> I don't know how that all worked out I was, <laughs> it's been fun though yeah wow. yeah it's been yeah, uh, I know you said that uh, uh, Hope for Cora necessarily isn't looking to expand or grow, but more focus on the things that you guys are doing now. Mm -hmm. uh, what is there any specific projects like you mentioned the well that you put into the school? Is there any specific project you guys are working on now that uh, that are kind of looking for growth or? Well, one of the things that um, yeah, I mean we are. It's not like we're not we're willing to we want to grow as we're right. meant to grow but that's not our focus our exactly. focus to yep. do what we do well and then yeah. it's the growth comes which you know the need is so great that i mean it can yeah. obviously <laughs> it's come and yeah. it probably will continue to but um i think the area like that we're really you know thinking about now and and just looking considering is is like our youth programs mm -hmm. are um we've seen such a huge change like in our youth um, because there's no places for kids to hang out in Cora. Like, mm. the, you see, like, and I'm not exaggerating, like, three-year-olds, like, two-and-a-half, three-year-olds, like, wandering in the streets by themselves, wow. like, playing. And then you'll see, like, a, a six-year-old, even a five-year-old, sometimes even a four-year-old with a baby on their back, you know, babysitting, walking in the street, you know. Yeah. But that's just the way it's, it's light. Like, mm -hmm. you know, that would be so unacceptable here. But over there, it's not 
you know, that yeah. just kind of the way it's grown up. But then these kids have nowhere, like there's just, so the, the dangers for those kids, you know, uh, are so, hu- so huge. And there's, and there's the boredom and then the getting into just recreating that cycle of poverty and, and begging and all of mm. you know, as they, teenagers will often end up like especially the boys will end up being gangs you know out on the dump and you know there's a whole hierarchy out there and and all of that because you know they're born and they have no hope and they have no future and they who wants to come home to see their mom sad and depressed and looking at and can't feed the kids Mm -hmm. you know so they kind of start to separate that way and so to have um our youth empowerment compound is really huge you know on so many levels for the education as well as just um, helping them connect and have purpose and and find alternative. Uh, we have so many different fun programs and things that are going on there, and so so uh, we just the whole infrastructure of needing like how like we're just outgrow like right now our tutoring you know right now just flooded and, you know mm. so how are we gonna have, you know look into building and just you know what what are the things that we can do to kind of you know, help that growth because we know that's the one area that's going to grow because if every year you're bringing in 20 families and they're bringing in 40 or 50 kids and the moms graduate in three years, well, those 20 or 40 kids, they're with us. Some kids are starting in daycare. They could be with us till they go on to university, you know, right. depending, you know. Um, so so we try to get, like, often once a family graduates, oftentimes the sponsors will switch and then support the child in education mm. and we try we're trying more and more to get our kids into private school that's a new thing we kind of started about two or three years ago and the result is so awesome but it's just getting more expensive <laughs> but yeah but mm-hmm. the government schools are just so many kids in the classrooms and they're so big and the level of education and then if kids been in and out of on the dump or their parent has died or someone's sick at home and they're missing school uh there, there's kids school there is so fractured and like we'll have kids like for instance um we have one mom who who's just been in our program for one year but she has like her daughters i think eight and five or nine and six among that and they've mm-hmm. never been to school before ever mm-hmm. you know, so now they're starting off they're in school right now for the first time and wow you know so so that eight eight year old is going to be actually in kindergarten this year you know right. in which there's gonna be kindergarten kids and there and might be a couple of kids her age too but you know so a, a private school will just be a lot more gentler and and she'll mm-hmm. get a lot more personal attention right. and help and then it'll be supported by her after school tutoring programs and that and so you know her chances of actually succeeding and hopefully staying in school be better but we i we've had kids that are teens that have never been in school you know wow. and so then that's really hard because like, they're yeah. not gonna and there's not a programs there like we have where you know like adult education there are like they call them distance ed programs but to, for a child to do something like that who's never been in school before is really difficult yeah. <laughs> like you know and so anyway but uh Side. So that so that's I guess what I say. So we can just see like the youth piece like is going to be the piece that will grow, but the exciting piece that's gonna be their biggest chance of not only breaking out of 
poverty, but changing the face of Cora, like over time, right. like when you start getting that. But, you know, so still that's the whole next kind of piece that we're kind of focusing and working on and what are the things that we're going to do to kind of make that happen and making sure that, you know, we have everything that we need to kind of support that kind of growth. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah a lot of questions to still be worked through in that, but, you know, we're working with the team on the ground there and, and our board here, and that's kind of what we're always looking at. And, yeah. Great. Hmm. So if, if you... How, what's the best way for people to help Hope for Cora? Is it just donate or is, do you just take people and go there a lot or? Well, we do both. I mm. mean, obviously, um, giving and supporting, you know, is, is huge. I mean, we can't, I mean, couldn't do anything that we're doing without people coming alongside and giving. And so that's, you know, why nights like Evening for Cora or becoming a sponsor and walking alongside families, like, is really huge. Um, we do take people to Cora, like like I, as I said, I usually do you know two trips a year. I, we usually try to take small teams, you know, and, and so we don't like some organizations might advertise, you know, taking teams and stuff mm-hmm. like that. We just haven't done that, just mainly because we find it really for us in in especially in our program and what we're doing in Cora because it's so family and small situations that, that you know you can't really enter into someone's home like 10 people <laughs> you know it's like it, it becomes more disruptive it's too yeah. big but with I think anybody that's ever really wanted to go to Cora that's connected with us has been able to go and we you know we we always able to it always kind of seems to work out because it's a big trip to go all the way to Ethiopia so mm-hmm. it is, um, yeah. you know so but so we don't have like huge teams but we definitely have teams we love taking people to come and come and be a part of it and see what we what we're doing there and um we had sometimes like when school in Chilwak um in fall they the grade 12 social justice class they raised you know they got I don't know 300 pairs or 300 packages of underwear you know because oh, when we on this last trip in June all of our kids in our tutoring program so those are our sponsored kids plus the community kids all the backpacks with underwear in it. And so, you know, so, the, you know, so different schools and different people have done different things like that or yeah. have done a drive to purchase backpacks or to raise funds for backpacks, you know, so different different organizations have done things or, or different groups of people, maybe not organizations, but different groups or churches have done different things to, to support. But, um, yeah, I mean, our website has a lot of the different information, different programs, you know, that people are interested in supporting daycare or the elders program or mm. health and medical education youth program i mean there's just like a lot of different things yeah. that you know we have a lot of different areas that have grown um we're ha- going to have like 20 new families that need sponsorship um that will be sharing some of that at evening for cora and that will be you know all those new families will start coming on the website over the next few weeks. There's a kind of an icon there. It says available sponsorship. And I have a couple of kids I'm putting on this week that um, the school's just started and needs some sponsorship for a couple of our kids. And so sponsorship's always a great way, you know, um, whether it's for family or kids. But mm-hmm. post-secondary sponsorships. Yeah. <laughs> A little bit of everything. Yeah, just every every part of life. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just it's yeah, and it's 
Yeah, it's a big thing because it's holistic, right? And so mm-hmm. we have all the different areas, but we just really feel in those situations. I don't think, like, if we ignored the health, as soon as you can put all the work into helping a person train, a mom train, but if her kid is sick or she becomes ill, then all that that you've tried to help them with goes out the window, yeah. you know, or if you do all that and they don't have a daycare. You know, like, all those different pieces are important if you really want it to be successful. That's what we've found, so it's... So we're just going for it, and it's been working, and we just continue to trust that, yeah, it's going to, you know, people will come alongside and want to be a part of it, because it's exciting for people, I think, to be part of it and to Absolutely. see they, yeah. can, they can make a difference on yeah. the other side. Well, I mean, it's in the name, right? It's all about hope, yeah. right? It's p- putting that spark in people's lives, giving them that step up that they need to, you know, grow as humans and, and become their better self and just create something wonderful with their lives that they might not have had the opportunity to before. That's mm-hmm. that's what you're giving them, and that's just incredible. Yeah. Ah, thank you again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So just to put the bow on it again, the, the website is hopeforcora.org. Yes. The uh, evening for Cora is, sorry, which day again? October, Saturday, October 28th. Okay. okay. So it's in person or online and all the details are there on the website so yeah Mm. yeah interesting in in your opinion what i mean you've you've been on the ground you've seen you've been doing this for over a decade now what i mean is what you're doing in cora the most effective way of creating change is this i mean i I think it's an effect. I mean, you know, from my own perspective, from what I've seen from talking to people, I believe it really has been an effective way as we mm. see things. I mean, not every there's not every story is a success story, such as the one mom, you know, who you know who I was telling you about with her kids, and so. But we've been able to take care of the kids, and they're in a safe spot, and the mom hopefully will take help for her alcoholism. But, but, um, but think coming alongside a whole family in all the different areas you know in people that I mean these are people that are destitute and really the options are so limited for them and to be able to give them you know that come alongside them not do it for them but empower them and to really you know help them to believe in themselves and to see the things that they can do and then um be able to like to support like the whole education piece of the kids put all of those pieces together I we've just really seen worked like you know it's that same you know we have different kids that are graduating and different families that are you know moving on and I think the further we as more time goes by we will see that I'm hoping a lot more because there's going to be more kids you're going to have three or four kids in some families and you yeah. know so you get you know once that momentum is going and you see the momentum in the community we've seen definitely with uh, so many of our kids that are we have so many kids like volunteer and help like because that's part of what we're going to build in right so it's mm-hmm. not our staff over there doing it everything I mean of course they're leading everything but they're really trying to empower our teens um, but even the parents like they have parent committees well you know these are uneducated moms have never been on a parent committee in their life or even heard of it but now they're on parent committees or they're on different committee you know just um we have our basket weavers association which um 
cooperative and it's been really amazing like that's been like a great success story and this is Bellinish's part of that mm-hmm. and we have about 20 moms that do like amazing baskets like honestly the most beautiful baskets in the world <laughs> I would say so I mean just like just gorgeous baskets and yeah. um like now and in, in Addis um Jake who's been over there has really helped that whole thing evolved so that there's a lot of international community and people paying proper prices to our women to make these baskets because mm. and they've really developed the skill and honed the skill they all most of them had it when it was young but you know it wasn't always tight or was you know they were now they've just got like they've really become experts yeah. and in that and that's cool and to see them take that and be able to provide for their families with that and 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 that and and then but that would not necessarily be enough for them ever to be able to put their kids in private school or to get those kids to university. Mm-hmm. But but at least now they can make their own money. They can, they're not don't have to beg. They don't have to go to the dump. Mm-hmm. They can, they know how to keep healthy. They know how to keep their homes clean, the kids clean. You know they can. They have a community. They have each other. Independence. Um, yeah. Yeah, and and so now, when you come alongside the fat kids with that. You know, I think that model, I mean, we didn't read it in a book, right? You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of developed. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so but uh, we've been really excited to see how it's been working and continues to work, I hope. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, it just, it seems like you're doing all the right things. And it seems like you're making real change in these people, people's lives and in your own lives, right? It, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it doesn't have no effect on you. I'm sure you've learned and grown and become better yourself as well. Um, learned so much yeah <laughs> yeah and there's so people there have so much to teach us about generosity and kindness and, and perseverance resilience and thinking about others I mean, there's so much so much to learn hmm. okay yeah I mean we can wrap this up pretty quick but um, I guess my question to you is I mean what is is this what drives you? Like, what what gets you up in the morning to go out and and sacrifice your day for this every time? So, well, I mean, yes. I mean, I have the two pieces. I'm I'm I'm, I'm not just all about Cora, right? You right. know, I've got my family yeah, and my life here. You know, so I love my family and and caring, you know, for my family and and that and. Um, but as far as with Cora, yeah, I mean, it's the people, those relationships, those people to see them and to know, to know them, to be part of their lives and to know that man, you know, yeah, this is hard, not always easy, but um, this makes a difference for them. You know, mm-hmm. this is, you know, that, yeah, that it's a good reason to get up in the morning mm-hmm. and to and do what we do. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. So, That's... Well, yeah. yeah. Do you have anything else? Yeah. Is there anything oh, else you want to share? Well, just well, thank you so much for having me and allowing me to share the story of Cora of and yeah. what's happened over there and what is continues to happen. And I just really appreciate that. And of course, yeah. yeah and it's been a lot of fun just to be here with you. And yeah. We've enjoyed the chat for <laughs> sure. Yeah. Thank, thank you for you. coming on and thank you for everything that you and your organization are doing. Yeah. It's yeah. It sounds like you guys are doing really great work. Well, I agree. Um, Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. And, uh, yeah, we can wrap it there.